Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature, and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. In Genesis 27, the Bible tells the story of Jacob and Rebekah, his mother, as they plotted. Bible tells us there was a plot between Jacob and Rebekah, his mother. Bible tells us that they plotted to steal the blessings that was meant for the firstborn son, who is Esau. Bible tells us that the scheme to steal the blessings of Esau worked so well that Esau himself lost the blessings of God that his father was supposed to give to him. And as you can imagine, Bible tells us that Esau was not very happy. So he vowed to kill his brother. He must have said to himself, if I am not going to get the blessing, then you are not going to enjoy it. Bible tells us that Esau vowed to kill his brother. And as soon as Jacob heard about the vow of Esau to kill him, Bible tells us that Jacob fled. And as Jacob ran to live with his uncle Laban in Paddan Aram, the Bible tells us in chapter 28, that as he was traveling there and as he was running towards that particular place, Bible said that he got to a place called Lot's. And at that time, he had a vision, a supernatural encounter with the Almighty God, where he received a promise from God and made a vow to serve the Lord. Bible tells us in Genesis 29 that Jacob got to the home of Laban and he began to settle down. He started raising his own family. Bible said that he started working for his own uncle. And as he did that, by the time you get to Genesis 30 and Genesis 31, Bible tells us that Jacob was now spent so many years in the house of Laban. He noticed that his uncle was prospering, but he himself was not moving anywhere because his uncle kept on cheating him. His uncle kept on changing his wages. And so Jacob decided that it was time for him to leave the house of his uncle and to fend for himself. But Laban would not let him go because he knew that he was prospering because of the presence of Jacob in his life. And so by the time you get to Genesis chapter 32 and 33, the Bible tells us that Jacob now broke free from Laban, wrestled with God, and then eventually met with his brother who had decided that he was going to kill him. So he met with Esau, and by the time he met with Esau, he was able to settle down. Esau finally released him, and then Jacob was able to proceed with life. By the time you get to chapter 35 of the book of Genesis, the Bible tells us that Jacob received a very strange instruction. In reading from verse number 1, the Bible tells us, Then God said to Jacob, Arise and go to Bethel, and dwell there, and make an altar there to God, who appeared to you when you fled from the face of Esau, your brother. Here we see the Lord giving Jacob a very clear instruction to go back to Bethel and dwell there. And in case Jacob was confused as to what Bethel that the Lord was referring to, the Lord was very specific. The Lord was saying to Jacob, he said, I am referring to the same Bethel where I, the Lord, met with you, where I, the Lord, appeared to you when you were running away from your brother. 
So it is in that same vessel that I want you to go back to and build an altar for me. And the question now comes, why better? Jacob could have built altar anywhere. Why did Jacob have to go back to Bethel to build an altar unto the Lord? Why is the Lord asking Jacob to go back to Bethel? Why is the Lord asking Jacob to go to a place where he had encountered the Lord some 20 years past? Why Bethel? Why go back to Bethel? Now for you to understand why God was insisting that Jacob should go back to Bethel, you must first understand what Bethel meant and represented in the life of Jacob. What was the place of Bethel in the life of Jacob? Why is Bethel so important in the life of Jacob that God was insisting that he had to go back to Bethel? I want you to go back to Genesis 28. In Genesis chapter 28, if you start reading from verse number 10, the Bible says, Now Jacob went out from Beersheba and went towards Haran. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head, and he lay down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamt, and behold, a ladder was set up in the earth, and the stop reached the heaven, and there the angel of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham your father, the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. And also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you. I will keep you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Then Jacob woke up from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Then Jacob arose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put in his head, set it up as a pillar, and poured oil on top of it. And he called the name of the place Bethel. But the name of that city had been lost previously. Then Jacob vowed a vow, saying, if God will be with me and keep me in his way that I'm going and give me bread to eat and clothes to put on so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone, which I have set up as a pillar, shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely give a tent to you. Now, from the passage of scripture, you will see the place and the meaning of battle in the life of Jacob. You will see that for Jacob, Bethel was a place of open revelation, a place of divine visitation. Bible said that then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and the stop reached the heavens, and there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Bethel was a place of visitation for Jacob. Number two, the Lord Almighty is insisting that better hold a special place for in the life of Jacob because for Jacob, better was a place of divine encounter. A place where the Almighty God met him. A place where his life was transformed. Number three, better was a place where he received the divine promise of the Almighty God. This is where the Lord Almighty told him. He said, Behold, I am the Lord God of Abraham your father and of Isaac. The land in which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. That is a place of promise. That was how special Bethel was to Jacob. Number four, Bethel was a place where Jacob got the divine assurance 
that all will be well as he fled away from his brother Esau. The Bible tells us that he said, Behold, I will be with you. I will keep you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done that which I have spoken. In other words, there was an assurance that the Lord gave unto Jacob that you are here right now, but you are not going to perish. As you travel on this journey, I am making sure that no evil will come near you. I am going to keep you wherever you go. So Bethel was a place of assurance for Jacob. But most importantly, for Jacob, Bethel was a place of a covenant commitment to the Almighty God. A place where he made a vow. A place where he made a covenant with the Almighty God to serve him. Look at what he said in verse number 20. Then Jacob made a vow saying, If the Lord will be with me and keep me and give me bread and clothe me and bring me back safely to my father's house. He said, Then this stone shall be set as a pillar God's house. And when I come back safely, I will give a tenth of all that I had. In other words, Jacob was making a commitment, was making a vow, was making a covenant with the Almighty God. And better was the place where he did it. So you find for Jacob, better was a special place. It was a place where he built an altar, made a vow to the Almighty God. A place where he encountered the Almighty God for the very first time. And so it was a special place. That is how important better was for Jacob. And that's why the Lord Almighty was saying, go back to that place. Go back to that place of special interest, special significance in your life. And some might be saying, yes, I get it. I get it that Bethel is important to Jacob. But why is the Lord insisting that he goes back there? Yes, you made a vow there. Yes, you had a commitment there. But why is the Lord asking you to go back in there? Why is the Lord asking Jacob to go back to Bethel? Look at Psalm 89. Psalm 89, reading from verse number 34, the Bible says, My covenant will I not break, nor alter the things that have gone out of my lips. Once have I sworn by my holiness that I will not lie unto David. His seed shall endure forever, and his throne as the sun before me. It shall be established forever as the moon, and as a faithful witness in heaven. In other words, the Lord is saying to the psalmist, that my gift and my calling and my promises to my sons and my daughters are without repentance. That's what the Bible tells us in Romans 11, 29. He said the gift and the calling of God are without repentance. In other words, when God promises something, when God makes a vow to you, when God tells you this is what I intend to do with you, he does not change his mind. And once he makes up his mind, he stays and he keeps his own end of the bargain. And since God's gift and calling and promises are without repentance, God never forgets his covenant with his people. Never. When the Lord makes a promise to you, regardless of how long you think he's taking, regardless of the circumstances around you, regardless of the situation of the world, how up or down, the Lord never forgets his promises and covenant that he makes to his people. And you will notice that the Lord has said to Jacob, in that chapter 28 of Genesis, if you look at verse number 15, look at what the Lord said unto him. He said, Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. Now look at the next thing. He said, And I will bring you back to this land. So you can go anywhere. You can pitch your tent anywhere. You can do whatever you want to do. Travel to Shechem or go to whatever you want to go to. I will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. That is the promise of the Almighty God to you and I today. Whatever the Lord has spoken to you, that he will do. He said, I will bring you back to this land. Though Jacob may have forgotten that part of the conversation. 
Jacob may have overlooked that part of the conversation, forgotten the place of his first acquaintance with the Almighty God. Jacob must have forgotten that he built an altar to the Almighty God. He must have forgotten the promise of the Almighty God and the commitment that God has made. But God did not forget what he said. And that is why in Genesis 35, reading from verse number 1, the Bible says, Arise and go back to better and dwell there. Because in 28, I told you I'm going to bring you back. I told you I was going to bring you back. The same thing is said to Abraham. Your children will be in captivity for 400 years. After which I will bring them out. And at that time, he brought them out. So he said, arise and go to Bethel. And dwell there. And make an altar there to God. Who appeared to you when you fled from the face of Esau, your brother. You know what? Go back to the place of that first encounter. Go back to where you first met me. Go back to the place where you first made your vow unto me. Because I am a God who keeps my own promises. In other words, the Lord is saying to Jacob, I'm asking you to go back to Bethel because Bethel is the place where you first encountered me. I'm asking you to go back to the place because Bethel is the place where you had your first covenant with me. This was the place where you made your first promise unto me. I'm asking you most importantly to go back to Bethel because that is where you built your first altar unto me. That is where you made your vow. That is where you told me that you were going to serve me if I did X, Y, Z. And I have done X, Y, Z. Now it is your turn to fulfill your own end of the bargain. It is the place of your first altar. Now why is that important? Why is it important that the Lord is sending Jacob back to Bethel because of that covenant, because of that encounter, and because of that altar? Why is it important to God that Jacob goes back to Bethel? Look at verse 28 again. If you start reading from verse number 18, the Bible tells us there, it said, Then Jacob arose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put at his head, set it up as a pillar, poured oil on it, and he called the name of the place Bethel. But the name of the city had been lost previously. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me and keep me in this way that I'm going, and give me bread to eat and clothes to put on, so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely give you a tent. I want you to notice in that set of verses, what kind of conditions that Jacob was setting for the Almighty God? Jacob was putting a condition to that particular relationship. He was setting the condition of the covenant that is making to the Almighty God. And the first condition that Jacob set was the condition of his presence. Jacob made a verse, if God will be with me. In other words, Lord Almighty, I heard all that you say. I'm interested in that covenant, but I have my own conditions too. And my first condition is that where I am going right now, I need your presence around me. God said, okay, we can do with that. The second condition is that it's a condition of protection. The condition of protection. And if you look at it, he said, if you will be with me and keep me in this way that I am going. Lord, I'm not just talking about your presence now. I'm talking about your protection. I don't want any evil to come near me. I don't want any trouble as I go. I want your divine angels to be around me 24-7. God said, okay, we can do that also. And then number three, Jacob said, that is not all. I want your presence, I want your protection, but I also want your provision. Look, he said, give me bread to eat and clothes to put on. Go with me. Protect me. Provide for me. God said, that's a small thing. We can do that in heaven. And we can dispatch some angels to take care of you. And the Lord Almighty did that. 
And Jacob said, no, 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 no. That's not the end of the story. That is not the end of the story. And now said, there's also a condition of preservation. I don't just want to go. I don't just want to be protected. I don't just want to be provided for. I also want to be preserved because I want to come back to my father's house. Look at the next thing he said. So in verse number 21, he said, so that I come back to my father's house in peace. And Jacob specifically put that one there because he knew Esau was still waiting. So he was saying, God, I am going to serve you if you deal with Esau. That's basically what he's saying. If you take care of this guy, I will be fine. Then we can do this business together. I'm going to say, fine. You want my presence? I'll give you. You want my protection? I'll give you. You want my provision? I'll give you. You want my preservation? That's a small thing. And Jacob shook hands with the Almighty God, and everybody was fine. They had a deal, a gentleman agreement. They signed the deal, and Jacob said, if you do all that, I am going to now do X, Y, Z. I am going to serve you. You are going to be my God. I will build a house for you, and I will give you a tenth of all my income. And God said, well, that's a gentleman agreement. We signed it to you. We seal it. Jacob poured oil upon the altar, and everybody was fine. In other words, at Bethel, Jacob gave God some conditions. Jacob was very specific as to the things he wanted from the Almighty God. And he sealed that deal with an oath upon an altar that he built. He himself was the one that built it. If you remember, if you read what God was saying, God never asked Jacob for anything. He just told him, I am going to bless you. You are going to inherit the blessings of Abraham. But Jacob wanted an assurance and then he gave his own condition and God accepted. And you will notice that at the time the Lord Almighty was telling Jacob to go back to Bethel. God has already done all the things that Jacob wanted. God had already done everything. You will notice that each of the conditions have been met. The Lord's presence was with Jacob. Everywhere he went, even Laban knew it. The protection of the Almighty God was upon the life of Jacob because nobody could touch him. The provision of the Almighty God was there. Everything that Jacob touched prospered. His biggest concern, which was Esau, eventually after he met Esau, Esau forgot about all the animosity and all the anger he had. The Bible said that when they saw Esau, he fell upon his shoulder and both of them wept. So God took care of all these things for Jacob. God fulfilled his own end of the bargain. God fulfilled his own word and did what he was supposed to do. But for some reason, Jacob forgot his own end of the bargain. And Jacob just simply just was doing his own thing. The Bible makes us to understand that God fulfilled his own end, but Jacob did not remember his own end of the bargain. And so when you get to Genesis 33, you will notice that after Jacob had left Esau, the Bible tells us Jacob now decided to do something interesting. Look at Genesis 33 verse number 18. The Bible says, Then Jacob came safely to the city of Shechem, which was in the land of Canaan, when he came from Paddan Aram, and he pitched his tent before the city. And he bought the piece of land where he had pitched his tent from the children of Hamor, Shechem's father, for 100 pieces of money. Then he erected an altar and called it El Elohi, Israel. In other words, Jacob enjoyed the fulfillment of God's promise for a covenant. But instead of fulfilling his own end of the bargain, Jacob decided to do something else. Instead of going to Bethel, he went to Shechem. So God had to call him. I said, oh boy, I'm a gentleman. You are a gentleman. When we're making this deal, you appear to be a reasonable man. You were asking for A, B, C, D. I gave it to you. Now you are supposed to come back and do what you're supposed to do. You say, no, this is not a good thing. You need to go back to Bethel and you look at what the Lord Almighty told him. Very simple thing. Two things. And which is exactly what Jacob said he was going to do. He said, go back to Bethel and build me an altar there. And that is exactly what Jacob said he was going to do. So God was saying to Jacob, 
Go back to Bethel because that is what you promised to do. Go back to Bethel because you owe me your devotion. That's the first thing you said. You said, then the Lord will be my God. That was what Jacob said. He said, go back to Bethel because you owe me your devotion. You owe me a house of worship. That's what you said. This stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house. So God is saying, go back to the place where you said you are going to be and build me that house because that's what you said you are going to do. Go back and build me a house of worship. Number three, God is saying to Jacob, go back to Bethel because you owe me an offering. You owe me an offering. He said, all the things you give me, I will give you a tenth of it. Does God need the money? No. But he needs your faithfulness to every word that comes out of your mouth. You know what God was saying to Jacob? Go back because you need to fulfill your own end of the bargain. You need to keep your promises to me as I have kept my promise unto you. And as we gradually come to the end of the year, the Lord is calling each and every one of us and is asking us, you need to go back to your better. Because at the beginning of the year, there are some things you said to the Lord. I may not know it. The person sitting next to you may not know, but you said some things to the Lord. And the Lord is saying, I have done my part. I have kept you. I have preserved you. We are getting close to the end of the year and I'm saying, go back to that first place and do what you said you are going to do. He's saying, I have met you at the point of your need, but you have not fulfilled your own end of the bargain. You need to go back to your better because you need to keep your word to me. And the question that comes to mind is that, why is it that in the heat of the moment, why is it that in the heat of our challenges, we make pronouncements before the Lord, we say things before the Lord, and when things begin to shape up, we tend to forget. Why is it that we do that? God, if you have me this world, ah, I know we'll do that thing again. I, I promise you. Anything you want, I will give you. And the Lord deals with it, and then you say, ah, God, you understand now. It's not good for a man to be walking without a jacket. It's cold. <laughs> God will understand. So why do we find it difficult to go back to our better and do what we said we we're going to do? Let me suggest some things for us. The reason many of us as believers, as children of God, do not do what we say we are going to do is because in most cases we think that we can do it later because God understands. Oh God, we'll do it tomorrow. You understand the situation now. My children, my wife, my husband, my business, my this, my that. We can do it tomorrow. Life is busy. And God said, okay, no problem. So because of procrastination, many of us will not go back to our better. Number two, many of us think that God will understand because the situation has changed and it's no longer convenient for us. So we said, oh God, you understand now. When I was doing it, I mean, things have not been like this. Things have now changed. There is a need for us to be able to understand. God, you need to adjust your expectation. Because of our inconvenience, it is now inconvenient. So therefore, going back to better becomes very difficult. Number three, we think that God will understand because we, we do it part way. Jacob took the partial obedience part. He pitched his tent at Shechem. But he was not supposed to pitch his tent there. He was supposed to go to better. And many of us do the same thing. Yours truly have done the same thing. You get the same instruction, go and do this. Then, no, 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 this one is too inconvenient. There's a lot of headache. There's a lot of disappointment. It's too much wahala. Let me do this instead. And God say, okay. When you are ready to do what I'm asking you to do, then we'll have a conversation. So many of us do not go back to battle and do what we're supposed to do. Number one, because of procrastination. Number two, because it's no longer convenient. Number three, because of partial obedience. Number four, because it is sometimes very difficult. Look at the man called Jephthah. The Bible says this man said, I'm going to war. If I come back, the first thing that comes out of my house, I will give as an offering unto you. And his daughter showed up. What do you do? Do you go back on your word or do you offer? 
This man had a lot of integrity. He said, okay, I'm going to offer my daughter. The girl devoted her life and never got married. The point we are making is that many of us will not fulfill our promise to the Almighty God because of the difficulty that it entails. The challenges that are there. You look at the pain. You look at the embarrassment. You look at all the things that will come our way if we decide to go through with obeying and fulfilling what we promised to the Almighty God. So what happens? We step back. And that's why the Bible tells us in Deuteronomy 23, if you read from verse number 21, it says, When you make a vow to the Lord your God, you shall not delay to pay it. For the Lord your God will surely require it of you, and it will be a sin unto you if you don't do what you say you are going to do. And that is why it is extremely important to be very careful what you utter in the presence of the Almighty God in terms of promise. Be very careful what you utter in His presence. You don't want what you intended for good to now become a stumbling block. He said, when you make a vow to the Lord your God, you shall not delay to pay it, for the Lord your God will surely require it at your hand. And it will be a sin to you. That is if you refuse to do it. In other words, your promise to the Lord in times of challenges is a promise that God expects you to fulfill. The promise you made at the beginning of the year is a promise that God expects you to fulfill. The promise that you made at other times of challenges, when you were facing difficulty, when the enemy came in like a flood, all those challenges, the Lord Almighty is saying, I am not asking you to promise me anything. But when you do, remember that you have to fulfill it. Because the Lord Almighty takes every word that you say seriously. As we draw to the end of another year, there is a need for us for to reevaluate ourselves. And ask ourselves, have I fulfilled my promises to the Almighty God this year? Have I fulfilled my vows to the Almighty God? Am I doing what I promised to do in the presence of the Almighty God? The promise to His people, the promise to my husband, the promise to my wife, the promise to the Almighty God that I made in His presence when I'm entering into the new year. Am I living in the center of the will of the Almighty God? These are the questions you need to ask ourselves. You will notice that Jacob had the heritage of Abraham. He had the blessings of his father. He had the covenant promise of the Almighty God. But for some reason, for 20 years, the enemy was messing with him because the man simply did not remember that he made a promise unto the Lord. And until the day the Lord Almighty called him and asked him, this man was just living anyhow. And even an interesting thing, if you read Genesis 34, you will understand that when Jacob finally settled in Shechem, a lot of interesting things came into the life of Jacob that made it very difficult for him to see the hand of God. First of all, all sorts of idols came into his life. His daughter became molested by the people of that land. And at that point in time, that was when the voice of the Almighty God said, Do you want to continue to live like this? Or do you want to go to a place of promise? And the Bible tells us that when he got that instruction, he told his people, he said, Take away all the idols because we are going to better. Until the Lord showed up on his doorstep and told him to remember the promise he made, Jacob was living below power. And so the Lord is saying to us, I am watching you. I want to fulfill my promise in your life. I want to take you to the place of your destiny. But you need to go back to the place of your first love. You need to go back to that particular battle, to your own battle, where you made a promise unto me. And if you are going to go back to battle and do what you need to do, the first step that must happen is that you must come to a realization that you are not where you are supposed to be. You must come to a realization of your own shortcoming, an understanding of where you have fallen. Number two, there has to be a deliberate choice. 
You have to make up your mind and say, Lord, do I want to continue to struggle? Do I want to continue to live in disobedience? Do I want to continue to stay away from the presence of the Almighty God? Or do I want to realign myself, recalibrate and recenter myself in the will of God? You have to make a choice. Because the Lord Almighty will not force you. He say, I have set before you life and death. Choose life that you may live. And if you remember the word of the Spirit of the Almighty God on the seven churches, one of the things he said is that, he said, remember your first love. In other words, go back to that place where you made that commitment. Number three, for the road back to Bethel requires a decision of the will. You make up your mind that others may be doing what they are doing and managing. Others may be moving in one way or the other, but I have made up my mind that this is the direction that I will go. Jacob said, we are going to Bethel. After he realized that he has messed up. And then it requires a decisive action. It's not just a decision. It's not just a choice. It's just not a realization. But it requires a decisive action. Where you actually take steps to do it. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening.